Hello, and welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, part of the Last Bite Network, a production of Nation's Restaurant News and Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor, Brett Thorne. I love my guest for this week, Michael Reed, the chef and owner of Poppy and Rose in Los Angeles and Poppy and Seed in Anaheim, California. I love him even though he spells Poppy and Rose with a plus sign and Poppy and Seed with an ampersand. That's the sort of thing that drives editors nuts, but nobody else really cares. And I actually love everything these days because I just recovered from COVID. It was a mild case, a light cough and some sniffles, except I lost most of my sense of smell for four days, and that was terrible. As you probably know, because if you're listening to this, you're probably in the restaurant industry or some other food-related field, most of what we think we taste, we actually smell. The flavor components travel from the back of our mouths into our sinus cavity, where we perceive and assess everything except for the five tastes, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and umami, as well as spiciness, which, act, which actually is perceived by our sense of touch. Chili spice is actually a minor chemical burn. Knowing all this, I cooked nutritious, wholesome foods like lentils and brown rice and just loaded them up with things that I could taste, like soy sauce and vinegar, to amp up the salt, acid, and umami, and, and, and I just sadly ate it. Still wasn't great, but, you know, I could taste something. Sometimes I'd fry the leftovers for a new textural experience, but it was all very sad. Still, to be honest, I did want to get COVID. I'm triple vaxxed, so I was pretty sure it wouldn't kill me, and I wanted to get it out of the way. Once the Omicron variant arrived and so many people started sheltering in place again, I decided I didn't want to do that. I was reasonably cautious, of course. I, I didn't want to get anyone else sick. But I kept going out, socializing, and contributing to the economy. I figured I'd stay home and not go anywhere again if I got infected. And that's just what I did. And I, I didn't have to stay home that long. Uh, and, and I'm so glad that my sense of smell is back. I, I asked the internet, and it said that on average it takes 21.6 days for people who lose their sense of smell to get it back. And uh, I, I didn't lose mine completely. And I got it back in four days. And now my immune system is supercharged and ready to take on the world. I still don't have nearly as much energy as Michael Reed, though. He's running two restaurants, working on a third one, catering when the mood strikes him, raising a family with his wife, and, having gained some perspective over the past two years, striving to achieve work-life balance. Let's listen to how he's doing it. Michael Reed, it is nice to meet you. You are the LA-based chef of Poppy and Rose and the new Poppy and Seed, right? That is correct. And so, uh, tell me, tell me, do you have this new place, Poppy and Seed, in Anaheim? Tell me all about it. So, Poppy and Seed is kind of located two miles away from Disneyland in Anaheim. It's right there in the historic area of Anaheim, close to the downtown Anaheim area. It's uh, adjacent to where the old packing plant for the oranges were back in the day. It used to be all orchards and avocado trees out there. Um, so they retrofitted um, the packing house into a space where it's uh, more like a 
communal space where chefs get to go in. There's like 15 to 20 vendors in there that do a variety of food. And then there's like this community park that's in the middle. And then we're the standalone greenhouse building that's right there. Um, that has a beautiful private patio. We can open up our glass doors that are like 15 feet tall and make it feel like it's indoor, outdoor. There's a really unique space there that we were able to procure for this new project that we started. And the in the greenhouse, you're growing things, right? Yeah, so that was part of like, we, we took the space um, and they had like beds kind of growing. They just weren't really maintained. Um, so we kind of went on a hunt to find someone that could help us. Like I have somewhat of a green thumb because my mom had a garden growing up when I was a little kid. Um, but it was really like, this is something bigger that I couldn't take on myself personally. So we found Ashley with Heirloom Potage um, that was a local in Anaheim. I saw her work, I saw what she was doing. And I really just fell in love with the concept that she was pitching us as far as like, she could find me all these obscure plants and herbs that we could literally use to garnish a lot of our dishes that we were creating. That's cool. And you also are the owner of Poppy and Rose, which has been around for a while in LA, right? Yeah, we're about to hit our eight-year birthday, July 1st. So, you know, it's, time has flown. It just feels like yesterday that we opened that one. So, uh, and, and what's Poppy and Rose like? So Poppy and Rose, it's located in downtown, also in a historic building. Um, it's in the SoCal Flower Market, which is the older flower market for L.A. That literally you can go in and you walk in our front door, out the back door, and then you're in this long block warehouse of all these fresh and cut flowers um any flower that you could think of probably that you've seen in la it's probably come from there at some point so it's like you walk in the front door and you get hit with the aroma of just fresh cut flowers it's pretty amazing that sounds awesome and and what's the food like so because the flower market opened so early um when we started that concept we're like clearly this has to be a morning destination brunch restaurant um so we started there and then we just curated a menu that was more like how do you do things that your grandma used to do biscuits gravy really good sausage so we just started doing everything from scratch because everything that we found on the market was just subpar to what we were looking for. And so we just started all these recipes, like we do a brown butter waffle, because I was like, I want the nuttiness to come out and I just don't want a normal Belgian style waffle. I want a little bit different. So we do this amazing brown butter waffle, the way we brine our chicken and how long we brine it to what the spices go into the dredge. You know, we just really fine tuned all our, our knowledge at that time and really just put it into me like I was a really, classically trained dinner chef and we're like okay we can take what we know from dinner and translate that into brunch and really give people a different experience to how they approach it and look at it and at that time there wasn't a lot of brunch restaurants in downtown los angeles so like old school diners right and so you <laughs> took sort of fine dining it's fine dining it's stuff and took those techniques and applied them to brunch yeah you know like our biscuits are more like a laminated dough for like a croissant versus, you know, a drop where you just mix it all together and you just take a scooper and drop it. Ours is like you have to sheet out all the different layers so you end up with something that's much more flaky like a croissant would be. And, and where did you grow up? Are you a native Angelino? I am not. I grew up 
an hour north of here. I grew up in like Ventura County, went to school at UC Santa Barbara for a little bit and then off to New York and then back to LA because there's not a bunch of restaurants in Oxnard where I grew up. Um, so I was like, where do I want to cook slash I worked for higher end restaurants that were like the modern in New York. So I was like, I'm looking for that fine dining when I was started off because I wanted to be like, if I'm going to get paid minimum wage, I at least want to play with the highest ingredients and have a lot of fun learning still. So I just kept chasing like, who has a Michelin in LA? Let's go work for them. Okay, let's go work there and do that and kind of just hone my career that way. That's cool. So, and is uh, uh, Poppy and Rose your first restaurant on your own? It was. So basically I started that one seven and a half years ago, almost eight years ago. Um, me and my other friend that was a chef at the time, he had a food truck and I had a catering company called Root of All Food. And we both- Root of All Food? Root of All Food. Like so that was- about food. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I started off with the catering company and that kind of grew and it was like, grew out. I was in a weird, funky live work loft that I retrofitted and- I was like, I need a commercial kitchen. Like this little kitchen is not keeping up. And so we went on the hunt and that's what started Poppy and Rose because we both needed a commercial kitchen. So it worked out where morning we did brunch and had the restaurant. And then at night I would turn around, start doing all my prep for a catering company and then walk out that door. And then that's how we basically started it, paid for it through the catering company. So, yeah. And who's your partner? So he's no longer with us. We bought him out five years ago, roughly. Um, but his name was Ryan Lehman. Um, now he's out in Maine doing a B&B that he owns out there. Um, but yeah. Good for him. Yeah. And, and are, you, are you still doing the catering? I mean, is it still a, a morning food customer, feed customers place and then afternoon? Uh, it's... It's a boutique catering company. So we have longstanding clients that will go up to like Montecito 4. We have a lot of clients in Santa Monica and Beverly Hills that we do stuff for still. Um, but, you know, I get it. the joy of running your own business. You kind of get to pick and choose when you right. turn it on and off. So like we turned it off when I was like more focused on the seed project because it's like, it's a baby. We've right. got to really focus and get that one down um, and make sure that we're giving the best product that we can at the time. And so we just kind of like, okay, we're not doing those right now. And then we'll turn it back on when we get everything running smoothly and everyone's doing what we want, then we'll turn it back on. Or if there's a client that we really like to see again, we're like, sure, we'll do your birthday party. Oh, it's your kid's bar mitzvah. Great. Let's go have some fun. You know? And so Poppy and Seed sounds quite different, like totally different from Poppy and Rose. Yeah. So like, I always like, so I had that restaurant, the catering company, and I was always running, like I ran the standard hotel in West Hollywood, turned around and ran a restaurant in Santa Monica for like two and a half years. And then the last one I was running was the Avalon in Beverly Hills. So I always had three jobs, it seemed like, and all of, and one of them was always a dinner restaurant because I want that fine dining. I always like playing with like, can you make a, this tortellini? Can you do these house-made pastas and playing with different stuff? So I always has always had a dinner restaurant and so when the pandemic hit I basically was like shut all those down and kind of was just went down to what I had which was the catering company switched into a meal delivery service because our clients were like we can't cook 
what can you do? So we started doing that. And then downtown kind of changed gears and had to adapt to that situation. Pick up to go, pantry style. You want a roll of toilet paper? I can give you a roll of toilet paper. Here you go. Um, so we just adapted really quick to that. And then I didn't want to go back to work for anyone else at that point. Because it was like I was at home. I have a three and a half year old now. And it was just got a year of quality time, which I really haven't ever seen in my life yeah. as a chef. So it was just a, an awakening for me and my wife and the family to be like, we can do this and you don't have to go back and work for a hotel or something like that. And so my wife was just like, let's go look. And she kept showing me all these properties out in Orange County because that's where she's originally from. Mm. Um, and so we kept looking and looking and I was just like, click. I was like four and a half years ago, I took your dad out to this property that was a raw shell, which was the one that we're in now. So we got lucky enough to be like, it was just listed on the market like two or three days before. I was like, there's your space, go get it. And then she brokered the deal to go get it. That's a good team. Having your <laughs> wife as your real estate developer also. <laughs> yeah, so like I get to be the fun person and do all the chef fun things of being the creative and kind of like, hey, let's go do this project or that. Um, and then she comes from a controller background for fashion and hotels. So she was in the industry, but not in the industry. So she's kind of adapted to that and basically came in as my business partner for the downtown restaurant and really stepped up her front of house game and learned a lot there really quickly while still doing all the books and controlling and costing and doing all that stuff for us. And then starting this project, she was instrumental to getting us up and open and is your family still in orange county yeah we all are out technically out in orange county now we all live out here in la habra which is like 15 minutes away from the restaurant which is convenient you know because we were used to downtown living we used to live right across the street from the restaurant where i could just walk to work in the morning and then we're like okay now we're in orange county orange county restaurant 15 minutes away it's convenient it works so we're still in the neighborhood and, and is, is the LA restaurant kind of, it's still functioning and running and serving brunch? and Oh, it's, it's more than that. It is like now a staple in downtown LA. You know, it's, it's, we got really lucky and have a really good crew that we've like a lot of them have been with us for like the last four years. And a lot of them went from line cook to sous chef to leads and things like that. So we really worked hard to build that team up to get them independent and be able to run that restaurant by themselves we still check in and show up like three or four times a week with them and make sure that everything's running smooth but they're they are a workhorse beast at that restaurant you know they turn and burn saturdays and sundays like crazy that's awesome so you are spending your time in orange county spending more time with your son and your wife how how unchefy of you <laughs> yeah you know it's it's that work-life balance that you know for 17 years was not really there um but you know i think it's it, i'm learning how to balance it better i'm not i'm not there yet my wife still has to be like you gotta go home you gotta spend some time you can't work seven on seven on sevens anymore so you know I get to come home, work on the home garden here at the house. My daughter loves to come out and dig in the soil with me and plant seeds and do all that kind of fun stuff. So it's a little fun projects that we get to do together as a family. You know, she'll go to the restaurant, water the garden, water the garden here. So it's, it's fun. 
it seems like that was a big fat silver lining of the pandemic that, you know, people had the time to say, wait a minute, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why don't I figure out a better way to live my life? It sounds like that's something that you were able to do. Yeah, you know, it's definitely like, I think we, as a family, we kind of put a, a plan out there. Um, Cause it was like, okay, she didn't want me going back to the restaurant as far as working in hotels. But I was like, well, I want to own a dinner restaurant. I can't, I was like, I'm happy to own Poppy and Rose and it's an amazing restaurant as I'm super proud of it, but I'm like, I want to cook, cook. I want to, want to cook a steak and not with an egg, <laughs> you know, uh, like I want to showcase why, why I went to school and why I'm still in debt <laughs> because okay. I could do so much more stuff. Like I want to showcase my abilities. Um, so we kind of sat out here and we're like, okay, well, could you potentially open, get to five restaurants in five years? And so we kind of, we got seed down or poppy and rose down. And then we got seed off and popping last year. And now it's like, we're off and planning our third restaurant, which is going to be a cross between downtown and Orange County. That's going to be in um, San Pedro in the Harbor. And it's going to be this brand new concept of basically taking, putting the two of those concepts together where it does breakfast, lunch, and dinner potentially like a little bodega in there where you can grab and go because they're building a wonderful park an amphitheater you're right there on the water it's going to be a really fun more seafood heavy concept that we're going to be working on and that one will open probably spring to summer of 2023 so we have a little bit more time to get that one squared away but you know we're like okay there's number three <laughs> what else can we work on what are you going to call that poppy and fish uh, no, that was gonna. They they want it to be a poppy and rose, which I agree. You know, it it brings notoriety already to what we're gonna be bringing to them. So we will be doing our classic poppy and rose brunch, and then we will be bringing the dinner aspect of that creative side that we have at Seed over. It's just gonna be a little bit more seafood heavy. So, what are you gonna call it, poppy and rose? It's gonna be a poppy and rose San Pedro. Okay. Uh, yeah, you might as well use the uh, the credibility that you've earned by having a super awesome, successful brunch place in downtown LA and bring it to San Pedro. Yeah. So, you know, that's what that's the goals for right now. Um, you know, we're still forecasting what this year is going to look like for us, but you know, we're super excited um, to necessarily show and showcase what we can do and be that creative aspects because we started doing chef tasting menus and that's been going really well where it's just i don't know i've worked for a lot of restaurants and the only place that ever really did a chef tasting menu was like sona and they literally would change their menu every three weeks and that was really fun as a chef for me because it was like it wasn't a stagnant menu it was always like pushing the envelope rethinking old classic dishes and bringing something new and fresh to their clients and so we're kind of adopting that that mindset of like we still have our a la carte menu that kind of stays a little bit more stagnant but still changes much more than most restaurants do with the seasons and then the chef tasting menu is just like let me show you something that you didn't think you would like together necessarily but it's still familiar like the one dish that people are just kind of like why would you do that i was like i'm gonna give you a braised oxtail with grits 
but the grits have a vanilla parsnip puree into it that gives you sweetness and earthiness. The grits, earthiness, the short rib, super rich and fatty, and it just melts together. And people are like, I haven't seen oxtail in a while. I haven't had oxtail and grits, but I really wanted oxtail and grits. So you're bringing them that, that comfort food, but you're giving it to them in a much more elevated way where you're like, you didn't think about these notes or how you put this together. So it's really fun, playful chef test tasty menus that we get to create and just kind of run on a weekly basis. Well, it sounds like it's chefy, but not like too fussed over. Like a, a vanilla and parsnip puree is not, you know, radical, but it would no. totally make everything taste a lot better. And, and better. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, we're not so pretentious of like that fine dining side where you're like the way I, tell my staff, I was like, you want to cook like a Michelin star rated restaurant? You just want to take the pretension and fuss out of it. You know, it's like, we're really getting down to like the core ingredients of being like, most of our dishes have three to five components, which is like, you're really talking about, you're, you've got to get the right stuff. If you don't have the right stuff in season that really you're trying to showcase, the dish doesn't, doesn't sing the way it should. So we're really about making sure that we're sourcing right that we're looking at local farms to local fisheries and things like that to really try and utilize what's around us is it in season and really let those ingredients just be the stars and really not manipulate too much but give them different textures and uh, flavors that meld together easily and well where people are like that's all it is but it tastes so much like you did so much work. I'm like, yeah, we, we, we do a couple of different things to it, but you know, you still recognize all the ingredients on a menu where it's not like, what is that? Let me pull my phone out and figure out what he's trying to tell me he did. Right. And you also, it sounds like you picked the right radishes, you know, you figured out what was in season in Orange County at that time. And it's delicious. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. It sounds it like, works at- sorry, go ahead. It works out well, you know, it's like we were already starting our summer. We're planning for summer already. You know, we started already talking about like what's going in the, the garden that we can grow enough of to harvest and use on dishes for springtime. So it's always like we're this is the first time that I've had like a gardener working with me constantly and be like, hey, this is coming in and this is going out and this is what we need to plant. And you're like, well, you're, you're six months, eight months ahead, you know, of where most chefs are like, oh, wait, let me wait for this farmer's market report and see what's coming in. It's like, no, we're growing certain things and we know what's coming in. You know, we have different trees and stuff that we're picking from. So it's really, it's fun to just be like, okay, we fermented this. This is going to be ready. We're smoking that and curing these and brining that and doing all these different techniques, but it's relatively simplistic. But it sounds like on one level, it's a continuation of California cuisine that was spearheaded by Alice Waters up north and Michael McCarty in Los Angeles. But you're a Black Californian, and so you're doing oxtail and grits and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> your own, your own yeah. Head. yeah, you know, I'm just like, one of the really fun dishes that we also played with was like, I was like, we had, we we're getting whole ducks in. We were carrying off the duck breast, slow smoking them, really nice. And we had a really good fun, like it almost like think of like a, a peaking duck style where we made rye crepes. We had pickled chili, shallots, really a ton of herbs from the garden that accompany it. Honeycomb, an amazing summertime light dish for duck. You know, it's just like peaking duck, but it was our version. And Wait, then you said rye crepes? 
rye crepes. Well, that's fun. That's yeah. a, a little kind of <laughs> spiciness to it. Yeah, it gives you a little bit more depth to it. So it's just not a, a it's a vessel, but a vessel that serves a purpose, right. you know. Um, but we had all these duck legs left over. And we're like, well, clearly we can do duck confit. I was like, okay, well, let's just really, let's jerk, let's make, I was like, I was craving jerk duck or jerk chicken at that time for some reason. I was like, I want jerk. Because it was like, we always go to like Jamaica or somewhere tropical. And I was just like, I want jerk chicken i was like well you have all these duck legs i was like let's just jerk them and so we did it and it was like we paired it with like pickled kumquats um sweet kumquats chilies that we did bread and butter on um okra that we crisped off and fried so it had these different textures and layers to it um we did like a caramelized onion and plantain puree on the bottom and it just like you would eat it and you're like yeah this is this is this is this is i haven't had this before but i know what jerk is right it's amazing well it's and jerk so, but with chef stuff and duck who i mean yeah. yum so, you know we we try and waste zero product like we were turning around and making dumplings that had like our we have a really good steak that we get from texas that's a wagyu style steak and we always had these trims because we would get the whole hangers in and we would trim it out. We made a tartare dish that's amazing. And then I still had more. I was like, I'm just going to make this dumpling. And we would take all these scraps. And I was like, we keep getting beets in because it's summertime and we'd have all these tops. And I was like, we're composting some of them. And I was like, let me just braise these down, chop this up, mix it with the beef scraps that we would grind. We had ramps that we pickled, put that in there. And it was just this like this amazing earthy dumpling with beef that was just super fatty and then we had an aged white cheddar cheese sauce that it went with and it was just like i could i i got tired of making them because i could not make enough for a service to actually keep them on long enough and we we're like here's 20 orders for a night and they're just like first two hours out the door and you're just like okay great so it's wagyu trim beets that you just slowly cook forever and ramp. So we we basically would stew the the tops of the beets because the beets were in like a, a roasted beet dish, uh -huh, uh -huh. and then we just had all the tops left over. And I was like, we would compost the tops most of the time, and I was just like, all right, let's start braising these down and using it on something. Um, so we braised down the greens from the beet tops, put that in Parmesan cheese, pickled ramps, and then an aged white cheddar cheese sauce that would go with it. And it was just like this nice big fat dumpling that was just like, this is good. Yeah, it I would like. <laughs> um, well, and it helps to have the wagyu trim and the beef tops because running a profitable brunch thing where they're drinking coffee and eating biscuits and stuff—that's easy. It's yeah harder to do that when you're you know when you're bringing in wagyu beef. I mean, yeah. how, that's a harder economic thing. So how how did you figure that out? I mean, I guess you're a trained chef and you do catering, so you. You know, it, yeah, you know, it does help. You know, like when I was at UCSB, I was studying economics, so supply demand, costing, 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 you know, and then you know, I've always and marrying a controller, she's all about the bottom lines and dollars slash running hotels, same thing. So it's like we're usually pretty good about figuring out that costing aspect and making sure quality of ingredients and service to customers is number one and making sure that you're able to balance that out with your creativity side as a chef 
without blowing your budget. And you're like, you went broke trying to have fun. <laughs> right. Or you went broke trying to look after your employees, which is very important. But if you can't make money, then you can't look after your employees. That is also true. Well, and you've, you've touched on that. You've mentioned that a little bit, that you came to LA, you were working in minimum wage, so you might as well have fun. You still have debt because you went to culinary school. You, but you have managed to, in a, in a time of impossible labor, you have a longstanding crew at Poppy and Rose that has stayed there. So what do you do to keep your crew there? We, we create positive work environments, which is not always the easiest things to do in kitchens because, you know, we are a misfit bunch of people in our industry most of the time um, that have big egos and personalities that don't always meld easily together. Um, but we've, we've been lucky enough to put the right leaders in place that then are able to show how to interact and behave around one another in a positive fashion and understand how to come to an agreement that this is, we're here to service someone and that yes, you can have a big personality and ego, but if the slowest person on the team isn't keeping pace, we all look terrible. So it's really trying to build that relationship from front of the house to the back of the house. Um, you know, even for the new restaurant, you'll see chefs running food instead of just a normal food runner. Cause I was like, you guys want to get tips. You guys will polish glassware. You guys will do roll-ups and you will run and bust tables. And so the kitchen will go out there, drop your food, talk to you, come back in the kitchen, finish plating a dish and go run it out to you again. If you have questions, it's an actual chef that's running your food most of the time. And you'll be able to be like, this is amazing. What did you do? <laughs> You know, and they'll have that knowledge because they're the ones that actually prepared it for you. So are there going to be separate servers also or? <clears throat> so you still have, you. so downtown is classic um, restaurant style, front of the house, back of the house. Um, seed there, they still have fully front of the house servers that you will see, this is your server, they'll take your order. There's just much more engagement um, on the kitchen side. So once you sit down, your servers like will run their food. When it's the chef tasting menu, the chef is running your food to your table and talking to you and engaging and giving you the knowledge or answering any questions you may have. If you have a dietary restriction, it's not just the server that can answer all your questions. The chef will go out and talk to you and figure out exactly what they can do for you at that time, you know, and create the most warm, comforting experience that we can. That's awesome. Well, and, and it, so you're breaking down the barrier between front of the house and back of the house, which is important. And it means that the kitchen people understand what the servers are going through, putting up with the customers who apparently are getting meaner every day. I don't know. This is what I hear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes and no. You know, I think people are less patient and less forgiving at this time. Um, I think they also lost some of their manners in some regards right. of how to behave in public um so i think it's a combination of it all but it's definitely it's hard you know people are like if i'm gonna spend this dollar with you i am their expectations seem to magically have changed from what it used to be to being way up here when they were middle of the road right. so well, I think we're all a little bit less sane than we were at the beginning of 2020. We've all had our nerves frayed a little bit and our 
our politeness filters have been chipped away at. So it's, it's hard for everybody. I, and, and, you know, you can't take it out without repercussions on family or friends or work colleagues. So you take it out on people in restaurants who are just trying to give you wonderful service. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like our, our front of the house has seen the change in people's behaviors. You know, a lot of the time we, we, we've, we've worked on de-escalating people that already come in pissed off. Like they're, they're mad that they got stuck in their house for a year and a half or they couldn't see any of their friends or family, you know, for that period of time. And they're just like, they're just angry. And you're like, but you're here to have a good time. So let's have a good time. Relax, relax. Yeah, and they're not angry at you. They're just angry. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense as as someone working in a restaurant to understand that the hostility is not actually about you. It's about them. Yes. And, you know, sometimes you can't change their attitude. Hopefully you can and give them a wonderful experience and make their day a little bit brighter. But, you know, we do our best. But if we still didn't hit that mark for you, have a nice day. (laughs) (laughs) And so you also mentioned that back of the house people tend to be misfits. That's why they're in the back of the house. So is there do now uh for seed in the upcoming restaurant do you also have to hire for being able to talk to customers and is that hard um so for seed it's in general the the kitchen industry is weird right now it's it's really hard to find qualified people that actually want to work um there's a huge super huge shortage on chefs or line cooks um, that's out there that are actually of the right caliber. Um, We've kind of adopted for a lot of the restaurants, you will take someone that has passion and is reliable and train them and take your time with them and be patient to try and get them up to speed because we're not seeing the caliber of chefs that used to be out there in the market that were like, oh, I've been doing this for five, 10 years. I've worked at these restaurants. And you're like, cool, I don't really have to finesse you. You already have the finesse and you just have to learn the dishes and you're good. I'm, you're not seeing those come in the door. You're seeing, uh, I'm thinking about going to culinary school, but I need to work right now. Okay, cool. You have passion. You have all long, you, you're thinking this is where you want to be. Okay, let's see if we can get you further before you go um, and make sure this, this is what you really want to do to I'm straight out of school and I really haven't worked in a restaurant and you're like, ooh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> let's break some really good habits that you learned uh get you up to speed um so it's i think that's the harder part right now is just getting the quality of people because you know we'll put ads out and you don't have people agree to show up for an interview and you'll have five of them and one will show up out of the five and there's not even a guarantee that any of them will show up and it's just like i never in the longest time never had to deal with a shortage of people that wanted to work and now you're really facing a shortage of people you know because they've it's unreliable for our industry for that time because so many restaurants did go under and close um and then 
the amount of money that restaurants are willing to pay is kind of capped out depending on who's owning it. Um, and they're just like, there's easier ways to make money. So, you know, we are trying to, for front of the house, back of the house, bridge that wage gap between a server walking with $500 a night and making sure that everyone's on a more even playing field um, and making sure that the kitchen does have a livable wage and the front of the house has a livable wage, um, which is really important to us. So then that way we do have people that want to stay with us for years and kind of build that and foster those relationships. And so how do you do that? Is it as, as, simple as as spreading the tip pool around or which can have legal ramifications or what else do you have to do there's so legally for the tips they have voted um and are all okay with how they have allocated the tips to the front of the house back of the house that's on them um because it is a tip i can't really get involved as you know for as an owner and how it is i can just recommend how i'd like to see the structure on it and so they all agreed that's how they wanted to do it so i was like thank you for agreeing because i would like to see that happen um and so that's only part of it because someone's always gonna be i want more of my tip i worked really hard on this table i don't want to share with the kitchen yeah 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 it's there's always gonna be especially as we're going through turnover for front of the house even for back of the house you know um people are gonna not see eye to eye but at the end of the day we are a restaurant that's here to work together and not necessarily be so divisive, like front of the house, back of the house, old school mentality. So it's part of like who you hire is a large personality. Like, are you warm, bubbly? Are you more caring? Are you feel a little bit softer than where we're used to seeing in the industry than someone that's so hard and rigid and just like, nope, I'm not doing this. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of coaching and counseling to necessarily get it there and then just getting lucky sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's just luck you hire the right person you're like i didn't really see that in the interview but you're amazing and well, you really it. fit in and one so how many hours do you sleep a lot uh, a night because you have you have a couple restaurants that you're running you're opening a new one you have your daughter to look after and your wife and you have to commute in Southern California traffic. So do you just hire <laughs> a person who only needs an hour of sleep a night or what? Uh, like usually it's like six, usually six hours. Yeah. Like that's a, it's average six, you know, but I don't know. I was a long distance runner. So I was like, I'm just used to like, everyone's like, you're, you're like your energy level throughout the day just kind of stays like here. I'm like, do you do realize I wake up cook breakfast take the kids to school after school go right to the restaurant and i just run at this high level pace all day so there's no like this roller coaster like oh you were up here and then you're down here and then back up it's just i try to stay at a constant like level most of my days and just run at a very high pace to get all the things done which you know never happens there's always tomorrow i'll get to it to tomorrow all right you, you still have this Right, finish that menu, get that off to someone. So it's, you know, I just run at a very high pace. There's a lot of longer days. Most of the days are like 12, 14 hour days of work. And then there's like certain weeks where I'm like, hey, I'm taking off for like four days. I'm going to go re-energize, take care of some personal problems and work in my garden that's dying and do other things. You guys got this and come back and run again. 
Well, I have already taken up 40 minutes of your time and I really appreciate your giving it to me because, and I want to talk to you for another hour. <laughs> there's more. I know. More. We could do this all day. We can do, we can do uh, <laughs> uh, In the Kitchen with Michael Reed part two. All sometimes. Right, right. But for now. I love that. Awesome. It's such a pleasure hanging out with you. So nice to meet you. And congratulations and good luck on everything. Thank you.